Just a little baby with a belly full of milk. Just a little baby with a belly full of milk. Just a little baby with a belly full of milk and a handful of corn. (laughs) (laughs) What's after breakfast? What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas. It's weird brunch. I don't know why Babies I gotta have I know I can, I can corn, see the baby milk, in my head milk corn that's why American babies are so big and how strong is, you're how welcome. is there not corn milk yet oh there's that's there? ethanol yeah it's <laughs> called straight up ethanol grain alcohol yeah I said something and you then you shouldn't feel sorry for John he's lucky to be a Bliss. little baby little baby with <laughs> little milk <laughs> Uh, he's a milk man. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody get up. It's time for milk now. <laughs> we got some real, real milk going now. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the milk, milk jam. jam. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No. Oh, no. I don't know why you don't want to join the milk jam. <laughs> That's stupid. We're renaming the podcast. <laughs> milk We're jam. just over here milk jamming. Don't mind us. We're milk jamming. Imagine the merch, though. I'd People would be, not. you know, falling head over foot or head whatever. Over milk. Head over milk. Head over belly. Punch. Head over full, full of milk. milk belly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so gross. <laughs> but we love it. I'm going to do what Are you, you jealous? Did. She just yeah. looked at but my mic stand and was do. like. I'm going to turn it off because I'm a considerate friend. Mm. Dubious. She thinks she's better than me, but <laughs> look at that. Look at all that. Did you just hurt yourself? <laughs> sure. She did. She got pinched. Just a little bit. It's got to fucking <laughs> I stop. It's got to stop. Stop saying it. Also, I like to think that this is the beginning of a children's like nursery rhyme or something that will live on for centuries after we're gone. I'm going to teach it to Azalea. <laughs> Just you're taking baby with a belly full. <laughs> you you're you're, you're you're subscribing to mom's idea of um nursery rhymes where she just where makes just up, up whatever she wants. Old McDonald's oh. alarm. E I E I O. Clap once. Clap twice. twice. Bring Clap it back three now, y'all. times. <laughs> yeah. And that was Two the hops entire this time. nursery Quality. rhyme. Your mom invented the Cupid shuffle. She did. <laughs> She invented a lot of things. She's prolific, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't she something? Talking to your microphone into the tip. Stop it. Stop. That's fine. <laughs> if you want to slowly drag slowly drag your it. mouth across a, well, I guess it's really only you and Just Karina. Just a little baby with a belly <laughs> full of milk. I can't. That's that's the name of the app for sure. <laughs> it's so gross. It's so stupid. I'm like, I don't want anything uh, to do with that. Oh my god! Don't Are they going to be like, what horrific thing happened nah. to a, a baby in milk? A satisfied god baby. You haven't All my been recording. Are about to crash. No, um, I've been recording, but for some reason, Google Chrome. I think it's that I have my own personal account open and my work mm. account open. And so a, a lot of it'll make my personal account whenever I try to use that it'll crash Mm. pretty easily and it's 
<laughs> Just a little baby That's with a belly full of milk and a handful of corn <laughs> and a head like, full of mashed potatoes. I imagine just like a toddler fist with yeah. like corn, corn cream and corn. So there's like like five, maybe five kernels at in their hand. Because they grab the sand but too hard. Yeah, they grab it too hard, and so there's like dangling corns that are just stuck to their sticky See, child now skin. I'm thinking foot corns. Ew, <laughs> foot know corns. No. no one wants to think about foot corns. What if they're dangling, though? <laughs> oh, that's so much I get, worse. On TikTok, I get, that gets into my algorithm. Foot corn? Yeah, like any, like, in the pimple popping vein. Oh, yeah, like shaving that. off, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, really calloused feet. Yeah. I love that. It's like Sounds nice. Parmesan. <laughs> parmesan on your sorry dangling was upsetting but (laughs) parmesan (laughs) shavings off of parmesan shave oh god i've never needed anything so much in my life i don't know okay we went estate selling to we really we have we've had a nice little saturday yeah we have aside from the one are we in danger Oh, yeah, yeah, but we were at a Sonic. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah, we the were 50-50 at a Sonic shot that was going to happen. It's true. We didn't get shot. No. But the odds were not zero while we were there because that guy, I bet you he had a gun in his car. That motherfucker looks like he carries. He had a busted Lexus with an old golden retriever in Poor the car. Doll. I don't think he had air conditioning because he had all of his windows rolled down and he was wearing an inside yeah. out tank top going in and out of the Sonic didn't blink once didn't blink. not yeah. marching and he was yelling yelling the looking f slur yeah it was also looking for somebody i just wanted my tots and we were a hundred paces away from a police station yeah quite literally yet nothing happened <laughs> yeah. i will so when we did do the drive-by classic drive-by where we went around the sonic again mm-hmm. and the manager he was speaking with was the most like classic texas uh manager of a of a, of a car well, hop place that is worse <laughs> <laughs> i can't that the table's it. too tall too I tall tape i need to be able to rock and you I can't could just do it. change your chair <laughs> no but i feel better now about that this. you're in a rocking chair I'm better now. this is your identity yeah okay just as if you start what do you think rubbing that Mike on God. like like trying to you know like prop it up against your I won't be your doing hooters. Winnie, would you describe anybody yeah. in our family's breast being big enough to be called hooters? I'd call them tweeters. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you little tweeters. <laughs> uh, you'd be right. Yeah. Um but I will. I don't know. Tell I don't you know to what you're stop do. doing that. Yeah. That's, that's what'll happen. I'll be we like, don't resort hey. to violence very often in our yeah, family. Anymore. Not anymore. It's kind of a shame in some circumstances. It used to be very entertaining. Yeah. What do you mean not anymore? Because y'all got older. We got old. And Whitney realized that I'm much hurt. bigger than she is. <laughs> and I could end this very quickly. <laughs> if Barely. need be. I drink a lot of Diet Coke, though. And that makes your bones strong. <laughs> Especially not if it's all the warm. milk you drink. No, it's not the milk. Not it's your the belly diet full coke. milk. No, my baby belly <laughs> is full of diet coke and a handful of a can of diet coke. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I have, and I'm always. Maybe I'd have a handful of cottage cheese. That's probably a pretty good bet. <laughs> Why are like you a, crying? That's just another Amy, form of milk. Funny, and I'm trying not to like. God. 
terrible, like gross laugh. Um, it is <laughs> just another got form really of milk, sentimental though. about cottage cheese I, and diet coke. I just start tearing up. Two of mom's favorite I mean, things, and she passed and she's still it to alive. me because I fucking love both those things. In fact, I finished my cottage cheese last night. <laughs> And it was kind of upsetting. I'm going to have to <laughs> re-up my cottage cheese. I got to talk uh, to my cottage yeah. cheese guy. <laughs> <laughs> what I would give to have a cottage cheese guy. I mean, if I bet or you can curl, find yeah. or Are they, they them? them. Yeah. Anyone who has like the lowdown on a cottage cheese dealer, hit me up. Maybe I, then I need don't? to learn. I've I've tried to make my own cottage cheese like once a really long time ago. Do you mean you that forgot sounds to real throw risky? Yeah, no. that sounds like something. If you do it wrong, that's bad. right. Yeah, like poison. <laughs> yeah, instant. but um, I like you know I have diarrhea all the time, anyways. So like, yeah, I'm cool about with it. testing this shit. With taking out. the L for the cottage cheese community. Yeah, and it's not really even an L if you L all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Like, it's kind of like if you're not first, you're last. But if you're last, last all, all the time, time like it's you, not that, that bad. It's, like you expect. That's relative. Yeah, that's relativity so. for sure. I, I'll do it's it. It's not really an L if you L all the time. <laughs> that's going on your tombstone, Whitney. <laughs> the ultimate L. The ultimate L uh, of your life. Uh, wow <laughs> so <laughs> i thought you were gonna say like i'm okay taking that d no mm. no for the community because mm. no. if you d all the time that's true but we're considering a d and l in this situation to me d and l are in exchange i don't call it d and l all the time you're happy with a d every now and then sometimes if you are hung over and it's been brewing in your belly full of milk <laughs> um a big d- yeah, just really it's like <laughs> chunking out it's it is Whitney, you're right this is you're i would right. think the probably third or fourth time on this podcast where you've in <laughs> graphic detail <laughs> describes <laughs> your bathroom habits and it's it's bad because i just she just keeps going. Just jealous? No, because I know that you're jealous of mine. I know everyone's I don't jealous of like your you. regularity. <laughs> yeah. You know, we get it. You have solid regular dues. Okay, that's enough. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's, that's enough. Well, we can move on from. Okay. Please, God. I won't make my cottage cheese reference. Okay. Back to chunking out. Uh, Leave it alone with me. Stop it. Don't cheese. do it. It's the diarrhea of dairy. And when, like, if you think about the consistency Whitney, of it, Whitney. it's we, we so don't good. need it. I think that we know it's okay. Okay. All right. Well, welcome to the poop cast. Yeah. Yeah. We've had many poop casts, though. Let's be real. We really have. And you know what? Oh, no. That's kind of perfect because my story has to do with poop. <laughs> I didn't even think about well, it then, until now, but that's what my story is about. Well, then introduce the show and get to your story. You did anyway. think about I it. I didn't think you, about you've it. You've been thinking I about nothing but poop. Poop. I mean, yes, always on the mind, but um, not the connection until just now. But yes, you're listening to Weird Brunch. You probably already know that and or poop talk. Weird and poop. Weird poop. <laughs> <laughs> poop brunch. Which is disgusting. So I'm Whitney Lamond. I'm Haley Lamond. I'm Lisa Friedrich. 
I'm just going to change it. it yeah, yeah, yeah. Change your look. Do we need to split it up to so Whitney says her name, you say your name, then I say my name. Then so she's you're in a Le Mans sandwich. sandwich. No, you should go first then. Yeah. But I feel like I always, always start intro, it. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure this well, out. Yeah. We'll take this offline. This is too yeah. much to think about yeah. right now. I've More got to come. A, yeah, I've got too much shit in my brain right now. We'll get that uh, shit out, Whitney. Tell eh, us. I'm so You're- shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um so yeah. Okay. Get it out. Get, Get it, it out, out, Whitney. So I can continue I'm, to talk I'm about just, poop. I'm such a piece of shit. Yeah, I'm such a piece of shit in a cool way. So a lot of what this is coming from is and you've probably heard about this cuz it's a little on trend, but the article is called The Unbearable Poopness of Bookstores. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, Have y'all heard about this? Noble? I yes. think we briefly talked about it on the pod for we, like. Some did we? we not might not have. in an in depth kind of way, but right. we all saw the same TikToks. I, yeah, well, n- not it, but I have gone to a Barnes and Noble bathroom. And so dude, I'm is assuming. Dudied? No. Oh, okay. But I've been in one. And so you know, you've you've felt the residual yeah. dues from other people. The ghost poopies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is like a. It's like a really humid day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like a sauna, really. It's like it's in the air. Ugh. Good place to grow a fern. Okay. From what I've been looking at. Oh, okay. Now that I have a new space to fill Welcome with the plant plants. Talk. Plants. Okay. So thank you to Jonathan Jerry, whose article is from General Science. And let's go. Imagine you've been walking the aisles of your favorite bookstore for an hour and you smell the ink in the paper, and you hear a piano over the PA system, and then it hits you like a cannonball dropping into your lower abdomen. The acute and undeniable urge to take a big old poopy. So turns out lots of people get this same urge to pupe, when you walk into how a many different store. ways are you gonna say? Oh, I, I think I got a lot. Okay, count them. I don't want to oh. count them. I'm telling the I'll listener keep, too. I'll keep track. Please do not. If you if you keep track, um, and you are within two poopies, I will give you a twenty dollar gift card <laughs> to Cheddar's. Two poopies. <laughs> are we saying one? Because she has only said it. We'll start oddly once. We'll start now. I'm counting the last. So I have okay. zero now. You have, okay, one. I have one. one now. Have one. Okay, okay, cool. So this feeling you get when you—I don't now. I don't even want to say the word. You just got to get just through don't it. Think okay. about it. I just got to push through it. Okay, that's what you got to do. You yeah. got to push okay. through it. Feeling the overwhelming urge to go number two while visiting a bookstore has been reported a lot, especially in Japan, because of a girl named Mariko Aoki. This duty phenomenon has been noted as early as the 1950s. Mm. It's been, it was discussed on radio and television. in the 50s? They did. You wouldn't have thought it, but they did. It was all in black and white, though. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Very dark excrement happening there i I hate this episode already i want to but 
It was in February 1985 in an issue of Japan's book magazine that blew the lid off of this phenomenon. This girl named Mariko Aoki realized wandering inside bookstores would trigger her urge to crap and... That's the worst she, one. I think that's the... I hate that You don't that like word. crap? Yeah, and it's not because it's like any grosser. It's too... The, the, the shape in which your mouth has to move to Quam. make the word crap. I love it because is it in is it in Rat Race where she's well she's like I'm prairie dogging it but yeah. she's like I'm crapping no it's <laughs> okay I remembered what it is it's the little girl it's a viral video and she has a kitten on her on her like chest and the cat starts taking a shit on her and she's go- crying and yelling it's crapping on me. And- Hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta pull over. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. Don't crap on me. Hold on, I'm pulling over. I'm gonna find that sound bit and put that <laughs> shit right in there. There you go. Okay, so. Mariko Aoki writes into this to book magazine in Japan and people read it and they're like, holy shit, this happens to me too. And so tons of people write in so many that the magazine is like, you know what, we're going to look into this. They do a 14 page feature article on the unsolved mystery of duding in a bookstore. 14 pages in a magazine is like is the whole a mag- 25% yeah. of the magazine yeah. and the like, rest is ads. If you take out the ads, yes. Mariko Aoki's Phenomenon, according to Book Magazine, is shaking the bookstore industry. Okay, so what kind, what could possibly explain the intense, and as the article says, some have even said apocalyptic urge My to God. drop the kids off at the pool. That's a good one. It's a fun. I love that. That's a classic, specifically when you're inside a bookstore. The leading theory points the finger at triggering smells. So bookstores are full of old paper, old books, old people, ink, different senses. Sure. Old people. <laughs> Old college students just like chilling out on the gross chairs, doing whatever. High school theater kids, a bad a ton Starbucks. Of high school kids, mm-hmm. Starbucks for sure. Very expensive bookmarks. So maybe the fact that your olfactory nerves are sensing these types of smells—that's what they think might be triggering your little butthole to go. Boop, boop. So it's like. Old smells, which would be like de- decomposing smells almost. Not necessarily, because like if you think of Barnes and Noble, that's all new books. Yes. But it's like the scent of paper, I guess. Okay. I, and maybe I don't coffee. To that. So yeah. we'll get coffee to that. Coffee would make sense. We'll get to mm-hmm. that. As it is a, yes. is a diuretic, is that the word? Mm-hmm. It's a stimulant. It's not a laxative. I'm getting, I'll get to it. Okay. 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 Winnie, your hand is, okay. they can't, this is can't not a visual. It. Mm-hmm. Here, put do your hand again. I'll put the mic up to it. <laughs> okay, I think Perfect. they got it. They got it. People think that it might be kind of like a Pavlov's dog reaction to it. So you Is walk into a bookstore. A lot of times, the there's there's a coffee going, and in the morning you wake up, you drink coffee. It stimulates your body and it makes you want a duty, right? 
And so there's that idea. Also books, like a lot of people, especially up until the advent of phones, cell phones to be specific, smartphones to be even more specific, would sit on the toilet and, you know, like read whatever paper was around so the back of a shampoo bottle is your brain so many times yeah yeah is your brain smelling paper and coffee and going now's time to you know ride the brown dragon so that's a new one for me oh that's from mackie mackie and i were making up names for doo-doo one time mackie yeah r.i.p there's Another idea that walking into a bookstore, it's a very calming place. The amount of stress kind of leaves your body You're in this like zone of happiness, just wandering, carefree. It relaxes you and your body is like, oh, now's a safe time to go doo-doo, which would be kind of more like an animalistic thing. Like you feel safe. This is a place where you're not anxious. You're not tense. There's also the idea that the vertical reading of spines of books and then bending up and down to like look at different shelves. So reading and a lot of times, I don't know if you've seen the videos of how to make yourself go poop, but they tell you to kind of like do squats and stuff to kind of shift everything around, get your rectum ready for that final blow or just use poppers. That's worked. I don't, we don't need to get too personal. <laughs> There's theories out there, but a lot of people don't think the Mariko Aoki phenomenon is real. They think it might be a frequency illusion. So what is a frequency illusion? Imagine a poop thing having your name. The I know. Whitney Lamont phenomenon. The Whitney Lamont phenomenon. I mean, and it's just rate, about poop. It, that's going to happen. I would love that to happen. I think Whitney would find great joy in a pooping is essential to life i agree pooping is essential to breathing you know why elvis couldn't breathe anymore and died because he was backed up no it ended up being the doo-doo you know what i'm saying that's a story for another time Mm -hmm. i mean everyone knows it now we've all seen it has everything to do with everything (laughs) it does okay so the frequency illusion what is that uh, you've heard of a lot of people being like, oh, I always see 1111, right? Or I had a friend who was like, every time I look at the clock, it says 911. What does that mean? When did you, yeah. when did they say that? Uh, that was back in my bartending days. Okay, so, so post 911. Definitely yeah. post 911. Okay. I wasn't like, She's, we were 12 bartenders. We were, I mean, that's you know, not that's not untrue. Off, way off. Uh, so. Lots of people believe that the time 11.11 holds a spiritual meaning. And when they see 11.11 on a clock, you know, you like make a wish or you think good luck is coming. If it's something spiritual to other people happening. Synchronicity. However, this is also kind of a type of apophenia, if you're familiar with that. So apophenia is the tendency to perceive meaningful connections between unrelated things. Of course, this term came from the Germans because they're realists. It's the unmotivated scene of connections, a specific feeling of abnormal meaningfulness. So 
It's like the lady who sees Jesus on a piece of toast. Mm -hmm. Like our brains are trained to see faces, number one. Like when you see a face in a cloud or something, like our brains are trained to recognize two eyes, mouth kind of shapes. And so that's why we think we see things when in reality it's bullshit. And like 1111 or the 911 friend or any specific everyone's time, you know, everyone's got a 911 friend. Shut up about it. So <laughs> if you're seeing that in reality, it's probably not. It's not that you're seeing 1111 every time. It's that you just don't pay attention to the other times you look at the clock and it says it's 317 you're not going to remember tomorrow that you also saw it at 317 mm -hmm. but if it's something memorable like 1111 or 911 or a date that is significant to you you're gonna think you're seeing it mm -hmm. more often so that's kind of what apophenia is and frequency illusion people who are looking at this aoki phenomenon are like no, you just read this article or you've thought about it before and now every time you go into a bookstore and you feel the urge to shit, then you think it's because you're in a bookstore, not just simply because maybe you do need to take mm -hmm. a shit or however many times have you gone into a bookstore and not had to take a shit because you a don't recognize it. And needed to. Exactly. So that's yeah. the other part of that is... It's not always a bookstore that does this phenomenon to people. People say it's the arts and crafts store. It's Best Buy. It's Target. There's tons of people who identify with the Mariko Aoki phenomenon, but the trigger is a different type of store, usually some type of big box store where people like to spend their time. That's kind of where the pushback is coming from. And it's not just always triggered in public places, but what people are saying in defense is that these aren't ordinary craps that you're taking. It's like the it's biggest like doo-doo you've ever like had. Thing. It's immediate. I have to take a urgent mm -hmm. diarrhea right now. It's not necessarily diarrhea, but, you know, it's a fire in the hole kind of situation. Mm -hmm. The author was talking to a doctor about this. And when it comes to complicated chronic conditions patients will often look for a single trigger one thing that can explain it all but most of the time there's many different factors it's not just one thing making you do it so one symptom or one person's symptom can be caused by many triggers but the same symptom and other people would have a fully different cause mm. so we shouldn't rule out the complexity of what could be making you need to do do at that time. It's possible that all theories surrounding the Marioko Aoki phenomenon are true also, and that each applies to a subset of people who feel like they are afflicted with it. So that's most of it about Mariko Aoki phenomenon. But I did, I was curious. I was like, well, what about cigarettes? Because, I mean, if I think of three things that are going to make you shit, it's yeah. cigarettes, coffee, and Coke. Mm -hmm. Came, to be specific. Mm -hmm. Not the drink. Mm -hmm. Not my diet not, not Coke. Diet Coke. Not, my, not my the DC. official drink. So the short question. answer to that is that nicotine caffeine and i Cocaine. guess amphetamine <laughs> in 
and those things are all stimulants yeah. and your body's like, all right, we're going, we got to expend a bunch of energy and we're going to just shit out everything. Yeah. And that is what makes you do do. And then it is that kind of so Pavlov effect. Yeah, Cause when I know you start to smell the coffee. You're used yeah. to taking a massive pupe. Yeah. And that's, because you, why the last couple times that I've gone to Barnes and Nobles, I've definitely just defecated, chugged a chugged a Starbucks coffee, mm-hmm. had like seven to eight cigarettes, and then just blew through a couple of lines in yeah. my car. Yeah, of course. Right before I went in, <laughs> you got to hype yourself up you before really you go do. into B and N. Yeah, because a lot of times to take your B and yep, <laughs> yep, just grab an astrology book yes. on your way in and go straight to the bathroom. You know. That's probably one of the better things you can do. I think of that that meme of the guy who was like, my favorite thing to do, I want to sit down with a best friend. I want to get margaritas. I want her to tell me the most, most horrifyingly thing, yeah. scandalous thing she's ever heard in her life. I want a sizzling plate of fajitas to mm-hmm. come out as I cannot believe what is going on. Yeah. Like maybe doing a bump chugging a fucking Starbucks coffee, <laughs> grabbing your astrology book and heading to the crap shack to drop the kids off at the, we'll now call it a crab a boil. Yes, I am. Yeah. Maybe that's, that's the second runner up, the, you know? Yeah. So I'm just saying IJS, but that, that's it. That's, that's my story. And I'm sticking to it like the sides of your colon. Okay. You know? Like a real sticky poo. Yep. I don't like a Mr. Hanky. I don't think that I scud scud marks. I don't think skid marks. Yep. Scud marks. marks. The real deep ones. Those are the throwaways. Yep. Uh what is my count? Would you like to guess the count? Well, we can't tell everyone what the count is because they're gonna have to I'll bleep it. I'm curious. We should get a PO box. I'm gonna say we'll definitely need a PO box for this. I'm gonna say twenty four. Now, is it unique or mentions? Mentions. Okay. Every time. Fuck. I don't know. 33. Okay. Now, I think I may have missed a couple. Which is why we do an over under mm-hmm. of two. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Ah. Plus Crap Shack. <laughs> Which is crap now shack. in the story <laughs> 16. Okay. Uh-huh. On repeats and side conversations all of the rest <laughs> wow okay <laughs> and that is only from when we started, started counting, yeah that's pretty that impressive not counting anything Haley or myself said sure mm. and so or the preamble that was def- right yeah yeah there was a lot to the preamble i'm interested to, to see what is what is it the website mm. that weird brunch at hot or not.com sure okay <laughs> Sorry. that's a different it My just God. happened but uh we should have one of those like angel fireside counters at the bottom yes. but it's just how many times you mention a word yes we should do is. that because we have to do that and then we also have to do the how how much is that in eiffel towers mm-hmm. on the same thing mm-hmm. yeah this is further adding to our lore yes appreciate it we need a wikipedia page get on it whitney no i do not want to okay good job whitney do you have to go take a potty break shitty now job whitney talk, talked about it no nope. i mean kind of and we're buying but is that like i feel like all the add tiktok ads that i get that's what they say 
Oh yeah. They're like, do you feel like this? And I don't. I wonder if a certain amount of that is just like the normal human experience. Well, that's why you should get professional care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why self diagnosis is so. Mm-hmm. But also, a lot of people can't afford care, and it's really hard to get diagnosed with ADD or ADHD as an adult because you actually have to like get tested and have insurance. Not and anymore. You have to send a video of yourself running around instead of doing work. That's exactly what they look for. Yeah. Just like, a long it's well, got... You seem distracted. Oh, I think we it's... We don't need to keep yeah. all this in here, but it's gotten like much, much, much easier now because of the pandemic. One, more people are being diagnosed with it and two, they made it to where you can like kind of test for it or talk to somebody online mm-hmm. oh yeah mm-hmm. like because have... it is like behavioral they don't uh-huh. have to like physically test you for anything yeah i mean you used to like have to go into like a proctored room yeah. mm-hmm. and you would have a test and it's like how are you actually internet whatever but now it's like on a zoom call and you're like i don't i don't what'd you say it's just vibes yeah. sorry i wasn't yeah. it's, a, it's a vibe doctor yeah it's yeah. weird like yeah. i have friends that have just gone online filled out a thing and got adderall mailed to them That's incredible oh my god what a life you lose weight yeah, yeah i could i could I mean, get there are ADHD so many diagnoses I, there are 100%. so many really only positives yeah truly thank yeah. You. you work better you get legal speed gonna work better Mm -hmm. you're gonna lose weight yeah Mm -hmm. you look hotter yeah your skin might doesn't it fuck your skin up i Mm. don't think so okay maybe Maybe that's more that's like hormonal is my skin fucked up no she got good skin skin. lisa got that nice milky white skin Mm, skin full Mm. of milk ew (laughs) that's not as bad yeah actually still not great though but Mm. we should have had a milk count (laughs) as well i think that yeah what's the milk I couldn't participate in any, like, even just that poop count. I was like, I, I can't really engage. I can't do both engage. things. Yeah. Well, kind of counted the ADD. Lisa didn't True hear the though. story yeah. at all. I don't weekend she it. She only counted poops. Yeah. Well, who's next then? You said yours was long. Yeah. I feel like mine long is long too. Not that it Mine long. Is yours uplifting or not? No. Mine's neither. Mine's like anger inducing. Like it, it could probably get some energy up. Do you want to do yours then? Yeah. Okay. We can just have a long episode. We haven't. We, we have can plenty. All of our episodes are long as fuck. Okay. So. I don't think they're that long. Most of the podcasts I listen to are about an hour, hour and 20 minutes. Oh, that's yeah. not bad. Listen if you want. Brandon don't if Spencer, you let us don't. know if the episodes are too long. Yeah. There you go. Cool. So mine is about a, a dentist. We pumped yet? Yeah. You'll be <laughs> you a pumped dentist. Yet? Oh, that's well. another play that I haven't seen live before. Which one is Little Shop of Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't seen it live. Mm-mm. Never seen it live. We should do that. Gotta find it. Oh, we can find it. Oh, I'm sure. There's high schools doing it all of the time. Mm. I want to go to a high school musical okay, this of year. Little Shop of Horrors. I don't care. I want to go. Any of them? We should go. I'll I'll, I'll go. We I don't, should go and then we I should. I don't currently know any high schoolers, but we can no, make we friends. We don't need to know them. <laughs> I'm going to give them money. I'm going to watch them. And then. I'm going to show up to a high school with just a handful of cash, roll up to somebody and say, hey, little girl, come here. I got some cash for you. <laughs> Tell me where your go friends Go get me dance. one of yeah. those local yeah. theater Am tickets. I going to the gym or the auditorium yes. are, or are the they, cafeteria? How much money Are they all the have? same thing, though? Yes, yeah. probably. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then I want to write reviews about all of the different scathing, high schools and which ones are better. Scathing reviews. Gossip girl. Mm-hmm. All right. So I don't know if you guys know this. I know you probably do pay attention to big game and the legal, you know, where they stand on, legally on shooting and killing big game. I know oh, y'all keep okay. up with that. Yep. I know that an arcade cab was just moved in here and you were like, big game. How do big they get bigger? Um, yeah, it's like Big Buck Hunter, but for real. No, I don't like that. <clears throat> yeah, so in 2016, the Zambian government lifted a ban on leopard and lion stalking for a full season. Now, they do this every now and then. It's like a Culling control. measure. Yeah. yeah. Slash also the Make government money. needs money. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Rich tourists like Bianca and Larry Rudolph. I thought you were about to say Beyonce. <laughs> I was like, Beyonce no, would Beyonce. never do that. No. She actually might. She is a very rich capitalist, so don't forget. <laughs> she is. I don't need the Beyonce stands after me. Sorry, continue. You don't. So they would like freely bring their insane weapons and their horniness for killing mm-hmm. exotic animals to Africa. Larry it was a dentist in Western Pennsylvania he was worth or he's worth about five million dollars his wife Bianca she you know she went along she's a dedicated wife she's a decent shot Uh, she had recently been like the marriage is hard work so they go to Zambia in October of 2016 and it's part like let's go kill these leopards and lions and Mm -hmm. it's part like Hey, let's work on our relationship. Let's rediscover our love for each other. True. So they are 80 miles to the nearest town and there's, you know, moments of rebuilding the relationship. They are sitting outside like last night. They're all around a fire or whatever. And it's a few of the guides, Larry, Bianca and a few of the guides and Larry are like, hey, you want to stay for a couple more nights so you can bag a leopard? And she's like, no, my nephew's getting married this Saturday. We got to get back. So the hunting party starts to uh, initiate their like evening protocol, which is emptying out all of your guns. And then the uh, Bianca and Larry go to their tent or whatever, and they're going to start packing because they're leaving at dawn or whatever. Mm-hmm. So at 5 a.m., the coffee arrived to the tent, and the baggage attendant was like, I'm here for your baggage. So it was like a valley Rich girl just bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is my summer Sonic. job. Yeah. I guess I'm doing the safari thing, murder job. The tips are pretty good. <laughs> uh, I'm wearing the tips. Yeah, that's so the baggage tent is like okay they're not ready they he goes down with all the guides and workers and they're like eating breakfast and they're counting the carcasses oh god and right as they're about to finish counting the carcasses they hear a gunshot mm-hmm. from the tent uh where larry and bianca were They run over there and they see Bianca's body at the foot of the dresser next to the bathroom. This is at 5A, or I guess a little after 5, on October 1st. My birthday. Your birthday. What year is this? 2016. 16. Got it. Mm -hmm. It was our last month before all of the Mm -hmm. chaos. Mm Mm-hmm. Bianca uh, has an eight centimeter hole through her black t-shirt, her bra, and left side of her heart. 
so it went all the way through at eight centimeters uh larry is like he's all slumped over bianca and he's like my wife has committed suicide Mm -hmm. is sure she did lair the quote relayed trying to figure how, out how, how, I, this... how do i hold you and shoot you but not let the bullet and the hit drama of shooting yourself in the heart oh my god in the same Stop. room yeah. Uh, yeah. um yeah elliot smith of you oh i know so north one of the game scouts is like trying to comfort him they grab a medical kit it's too late and then larry's continuing with his drama what am i gonna tell the children kakoma the scout that's comforting Larry claims that Larry indicated he wanted to throw himself in the river. Do it. Get eaten by a gator. Mm-hmm. He says, Larry, I'm glad you said gator. He mm-hmm. says, Larry claimed he heard the shot from the shower. The scout remembers that Larry's shoes were already on. Mm-hmm. Notably, Larry also told the other guide and his longtime buddy, Mark Swainpool, that he had been stuck in the bathroom with <laughs> the shits. Well, here's our third line. There is a running theme mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. On the drive to the authorities, Larry and Swainpool allegedly discussed theories about how, like, okay, well, what if it wasn't a suicide? <laughs> Maybe a fingernail clicked the trigger. What? You know. How that happened. Like it was an accident. Like she brushed it. Mm -hmm. Also, didn't you say part of the nighttime routine is to remove all the bullets? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. From all the guns. (laughs) Maybe the leather case fit too tight and then she tried to zip it too hard, forcing Bianca to. This is the full. Forcing her to slam the butt of the. The butt end of a rare. And mistakenly loaded, yeah, rare and mistakenly loaded Browning Auto 5 smack dab into the floor, the muzzle facing the square and tight against her lung. Okay. You know how that can how, happen. How, how women do. that can happen. Mm-hmm. Easy to happen. So the authorities are like, yes, this is a tragic mistake. We're going to accompany Larry and the corpse to Lusaka and return his weapon. Well, uh, intellig- intelligence officer from the wildlife authorities arrived on the scene. The barrel's too long for self-infliction. Cops had not collected fingerprints. American in the golf shirt, he's, oh, his tears dried too fast. <laughs> Under questioning, Dr. Rudolph, who's also a renowned hunter, we'll get to that in a minute, uh, wouldn't explain the operation of his own gun. Okay. (laughs) And he forgets his whereabouts when his wife of 34 years takes a fucking bullet. So now he's, I don't know if I was in the shower. Uh, Where was I even? In this tent? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. The tent Uh, had a shower in it? Oh yeah, that's pretty. Nice. Well, they called it a suite. I'm I'm sure it's some glampy stuff, yeah. but with yeah. like a a tent type wall or like like you a know, yurt, yeah, or yurt with maybe an outdoor shower like an attachment. Yeah, even if it was a full on hotel room, it's still weird. It still doesn't Suspicious. make sense. Mm-hmm. Which uh, just to kind of double down on this, a decade earlier, he had made another trip 
to the same remote camp in Zambia. And he's like, oh, man, this one morning uh, I was just restless. So I got up and I went down uh, to the I went downstream on the banks where crocodiles hang out. And I was like bringing this fish in. And then the like uh, this crocodile came at me and grabbed me and pulled me in, rolling me over the river. The river like exploded, and that's how the a crocodile <laughs> took his thumb. Mm-hmm. It's just a chunk of it that's missing. Mm-hmm. He probably mm-hmm. blew. Sounds like a little kid telling a story. A hundred percent. And then I went down to the river, and I was gonna feed a fish to and the alligator, and the alligator the came water. out and then dragged me into the water, and it mm-hmm. took my thumb, and that's where my thumb is bleeding. <sighs> And then allegations and later filings, people were like, yeah, you seem pretty relaxed for having a crocodile of course. And grab his thumb off. But he later said there was nerve damage and lasting numbness, and he would collect at least $3.5 million in disability in the years to come. From, for a limp thumb? Mm-hmm. For a limp thumb. Mm-hmm. Limp thumb. So let's Larry from the beginning. He was born a small town, Irwin, Pennsylvania. He learned to hunt as a boy, shot a deer with a bow and arrow at 18. That's not easy to do. Mm -mm. Larry, uh, he was pretty hot from some of the photos. He hooks up with Bianca in Mm. dental school where all the sexiest things happen. He opens his own dental practice. It's a one-stop shop. Do you hate the dentist? Come get multiple procedures at once while under anesthesia. I would do that. I do hate the dentist. I don't hate my dentist. My dentist is fine, but I hate you. He might. That's the problem. Every time he comes in, he asks, he goes, what's the gossip? And I have to tell him a little bit (gasps) of gossip. gossip? Yeah, I always have something. I love to gossip. Gossip. Give me no, some just gossip. gossip in my life. I love it. And he'll tell me, and he's like, and then we'll start talking about it, and then it's hands and mouth, and I can't talk about it anymore. That's so weird. It is weird, but you know, I, I like him. I had a dentist that came to one of my comedy shows. Your dentist that Dentists came to com- did you love comedy? I, I've, I have since stopped seeing that dentist. Oh, it's because I will say that ninety percent of your comedy is about your dentist. It is so dentist yeah. That he, would have been awkward. That's what people love about you, though. Yeah, my dental humor. Yes. <laughs> we got to go see her. I've heard she's got great jokes about Cavities. oral hygiene. Um, by 2007, so that's a year after his thumb incident, he's clearing nearly uh, $30,000 a month in disability. What? Uh-huh. How do you... Yeah, how do you get that? Uh-huh. It's, well, you have to imagine he's a dentist and he works with his hands. Mm-hmm. So, so, so he, he was saying like if he you, was making thirty grand yeah. a month. Okay, yeah, yeah got it. Got if it. you hurt your thumb, the government would be like, "Your thumbs are useless already." <laughs> my thumbs, Whitney. Don't. My <laughs> thumbs, while they may look like limp hot dogs and have no bones, they are useful to me. <laughs> My thumbs, they are my own. (laughs) Hot dogs, they have no bones. (laughs) Yes. Oh, that's a jewel song I want to rewrite. I don't care if this episode's three hours. Okay. So he, despite being... Prevented from practicing dentistry, the thumb, uh, he had made himself 
a miniature COO of a fledgling chain called Total Dentistry. There's multiple locations in Pittsburgh. Oh, he paid well. But. Held job interviews <laughs> at... <laughs> so disruptive i'm sorry okay at semi-expensive restaurants with his very expensive wife so he was like i love all those terms like he what he became a small coo a a miniature a miniature coo at and ate at semi-expensive he would take people on job interviews and go to yeah semi-expensive semi-expensive restaurants with his very expensive. What would you wine. consider a semi-expensive restaurant? Carabas. Mm. Oh, I was going to go like I'm ALC. Thinking. See, I see ALC as pretty expensive. I think it is too, but I think to a I'm getting thirty thousand dollars a month. You could for, go higher for fucking nothing. That's yeah. true. Oh, so Bianca was also. Helping out uh, at the office and she would show up with like furs. She had auburn hair and like just was devoted to Larry. I'm just confused on how this is a disability fraud because you can't be taking in other money when you're on disability. Mm -hmm. Like that's the whole thing. That's why Mm -hmm. there's like disability investigators to ensure that you're not working and also getting disability. She helped around the office with insurance claims and paychecks. And then once the startup kind of took off, she just went full-time mom. From Total Dentistry, there's some reports of spasms of rage from Larry. What Uh, a... A spasm of rage. Uh-huh. Fantastic. It's yeah. quoted. Yeah. Two former colleagues say he, oh, no. he, he threw a small tooth-shaped mirror. Yes. So hard across the length of a hallway, it's stuck in the wall. Oh, like Hell a throwing yes. star, yes. but it's a tooth. A tooth. <laughs> Could yes. he become a dentist ninja and that's yes. his weapon of choice? I mean, he also says that he threw a syringe-like instrument at a senior staffer. Other God. employees say that this was a pattern. Um, and, of course, his attorneys pretty much deny everything I'm yeah. about to say, by the way. Should have done that earlier. So he partner, uh, his partners were overworking with this guy. He was like, they were trying to force him out. He sued them <laughs> for damages and defamation. And they confront they confronted him at his lawyer's office and money had been like moved around. This one partner says they gave Larry an ultimatum, walk away or we're going to press charges. And he denied the embezzlement accusation, kicked them out of the room and they soon just kind of settled. We don't. So okay. then Larry yeah. launches Three Rivers Dental Group. The first location is 500 feet from Total Dentistry. Mm-hmm. And that partner that had said, like, you got, gave him the ultimatum said, his, he's vindictive and vengeful, but he's a charmer and a good businessman. The Rudolphs have all this money, so they pump it all into travel and often without each other. They bought up real estate in Arizona where their daughter, Anna, oh, Anna Bianca. That was her full name. Anna Bianca. Oh, I like that. That sounds like a YA novel. Like a. She's the bitch in the YA novel. Yeah. Anna Bianca. Mm -hmm. For sure. You can't sit with us. Yeah. Her parents own like a. Too many vowels. Laundromat chain or something. Yeah. Anna Bianca. Or a a dentist chain. Oh, yeah. Yep. 2011, the Rudolphs secure what Larry called a deal 
for 1.7 million on a 7,000 square foot mansion outside of Scottsdale in Paradise Valley, alongside Alicia Keys, Stevie Nicks, and the retired chairman of Walmart. Oh shit! Mm. So back to Bianca's death. Eleven hours after Bianca's death, Tuesday, October first or eleventh in twenty sixteen, maybe the eleventh. Uh, it looks like the seventy first, and that's just not. Wasn't it, it your birthday? I thought so, but it may be maybe the eleventh. Okay. Larry calls the U.S. Embassy in Lusaka again. This is eleven hours after her death, and he asks how to cremate his wife. The diplomat on the other end of the line was like, uh. The police worked real fast on this. Yeah. This is interesting. And po- postmortems are happening. That's pretty fast. Two days later, Diplomat went to a funeral home and took pictures of the cadaver himself. Good. That's a good ass Yeah, diplomat. show some fucking initiative. Larry was pissed. <laughs> he was real Fuck pissed you, Larry. about it. Of course yeah. you are. And the Diplomat had been a longtime Marine and knew his shit. He told investigators that the entrance wound on Bianca's body made him believe that she hadn't been shot at such a close range. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now we're adding more. And then Friday morning, waiting with Larry for paperwork at the crematorium, the diplomat offered to tell Larry's kids. Larry said he'd rather tell them in person while... This is denied by Larry's lawyers. The diplomat recounts that he pushed Larry and the not like physically and he shooed him away, claiming they were his children from a previous marriage he never had. He met Bianca in college. So he's like, uh-huh. They're what? not her kids. Yeah. So hours later in Pittsburgh, a close colleague found 30-year-old Anna Bianca pacing around a dental conference in a panic. My mom's not answering her phone. And her name Ooh. is Anna Bianca. Yeah. <laughs> After her mom. From yeah. a previous. Bianca. From a previous. Yeah. Sure, homie. Uh-huh. Her younger brother, Julian, hadn't been able to find their parents either. These are some Anna vibes. She worshipped her dad. She joined the family business. Employees watched as he helped her complete procedure. Her dad helped her complete p- procedures when he'd fly back to Arizona. Took a week for her to find out about her mother's demise. Mm. And a week? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Piece and of shit, Dad. Yeah. And there was a wedding at some oh, point, Oh, yeah. Right? The, the nephew or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, so what? Y'all were just like, oh, I guess we'll go to the wedding. Well, they uh, didn't know if it because they said that they were immediately going to the wedding. Yeah, right. So like people wouldn't have known. Four days out. Yeah. And so, yeah, nobody. <clears throat> so, and then even then, he was still pretty slippery on details. Mm-hmm. Quote Anna asked around why anyone would put a Catholic in an urn without a proper mass or at least a goodbye. Mm-hmm. Lawyers say it was in her will and Bianca's will. And so Anna still inclined, was inclined to believe him. Now we're bringing in someone new a former dental hygienist named Lori Millerton Miller Millerton I don't know Lori Millerton Lori she had become 
uh, her father Anna's father's sidekick or more mm-hmm. sidekick mm-hmm. sidekick mm-hmm. 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 she she aside she mm-hmm. aside some mm-hmm. soon after Anna began working at her father's practice co-workers kind of we're like, hey, why is uh, Lori's always going into that back room? That's interesting. And then earlier in 2016, a colleague let it slip that Larry and Lori had vacationed together in Cabo. And Anna's like, no, no, not my dad. And they were like, yes, all men. Yeah. Yeah. And so he also bought Lori a flight from Pittsburgh to Phoenix on or about the day of the funeral. <laughs> Reservation was immediately canceled. And then the next day, Lori got her own ticket to Paradise Valley, where that mansion was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Larry fooled around a lot. A Mm. colleague remembers asking Larry why he was unfaithful to his wife. He said it was as fun as as the roller coaster over at Kennywood Theme Park. That doesn't even sound like that good of a theme right? park. Yeah, that's like, like, that's not like brand name. It's not Six Flags. Okay, douchebag. Yeah. Yeah. Brag. Mm-hmm. Brag. When he was asked what he'd do if Bianca was doing the same, he laughed. <laughs> women have the same responsibilities as women as as women. You okay? No, I'm not okay. <laughs> Stroking out. Yeah, over there. I am. I died. Just turn. Just turn her mic off. In the early 2000s, Larry had told a couple of friends and colleagues that Bianca was like, "Okay, I'm, we're out. Like, we're done. This mm. is not working." Larry said, quote, I fucked up. Bianca is seeing someone else and it's all my fault. <laughs> Good. He said it's all his fault. Yeah. 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 Fuck you. It is. Larry lost a bunch of weight, started taking Bianca out more. And he said, I have to woo her because no one's taking half of my money. Um, oh. For- <laughs> what a reason to stay with your wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Certain or some coworkers were like he was trying to talk her into like an open marriage or like maybe she they were both open to it we're not 100% on that he's also Larry also has this goal to win the Weatherby award which is basically the Nobel Prize of trophy hunting <sighs> and it requires carcasses from almost every continent it's like egotting world's biggest asshole yes. award um, i don't know how you get a Nobel i don't know if a Nobel prize would be the right <laughs> comparison for that uh it it's a huge deal it's okay the oscars of murder of animal murder yes mm-hmm. yes it, well i'm gonna say this is the tony awards of okay it. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah you have to have carcasses from almost every continent it's also based on ethics and integrity 15 mm-hmm. percent. those animals had a fair chance yeah mm-hmm. you know they go they run so fast they do mm-hmm. we had to take them down so he like saw it a new travel companion and Lori says Bianca kind of started it like started it to where he was like I don't want to take her anymore in May 2002 Lori was a 44 year old single mom with three kids who drove 60 miles each way to to work I guess it was at total dentistry at that point I'm not she also would vouch for Larry in legal battles against his former business partners so i guess i guess she was working at three rivers dental and so she was like or maybe she followed him i don't know Lori claims she's never met bianca from 2003 to 2008 larry and Lori (laughs) 
flew together some 60 days out of the year from Africa to Paris to New Zealand. That is a lot of the time out of yeah. the year. Another legend from 2006, the year of the thumb, uh, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> what year were you born? Two, 2006. Oh, you're the thumb. You're, yeah. you're the thumb. Interesting. Yeah. It, you go to a Chinese restaurant, restaurant and yeah. it's got the and then it just in the middle has the, the thumb. thumb. Yes. Like we had to add this. Mm-hmm. They are in an Ethiopian chalet after a long day on the hunt and he Larry asks Lori if she would run away with him, which was a no. Later, Lori would ask Larry if he'd leave Bianca, and he laughed and said, "You had your chance." This fucking guy. About her too. Like I, I, I agree, but this guy mm-hmm. sucks. Y'all know what the Safari Club is. Again, no, it just is keeps it getting even worse. Better than the. Is it like the Olympics Sierra Club and it's hunting? About- no, it's oh. still, that award is still number one, but this is, yeah, so July 2009, he wins his Weatherby Award. Bless him. He was elected president of the Safari Club, and he, because he and Bianca had, like, led the local Safari Club mm. for more than 20 years, and so now this is, like, mm-hmm. basically the White House of sure. the Safari Club, and it's to... It's basically like, okay, this is a quote from the artist. Safari Club is to conservation and trophy hunting what the NRA is to the persistence of the Second Amendment and school shootings. Wow. An after-school activity for rich white men and tuxedos to extract dues from membership and servitude from Washington. So this strip mall dentist sets to fly out and meet with the queen of conservationism. Who do we think she is? Oh, queen of conservation? Oh, uh, Carol Baskin. Oh, you're close. <laughs> you're close. It's uh, Sarah Palin. Mm. <clears throat> Lori was just a huge... She was a Palin head, mm. <laughs> if you will. Mm. And so she's like... This was what year? 2009. Like, yeah. Uh, so she was like real horny that... Larry had this connection. She had a little selfie with Palin, and she said that Palin complimented Lori on her jeans. <sighs> Are those blue jeans? <laughs> I, I like, like the them. wash of those mm. jeans. No rips in them. Pockets. <laughs> For a fishing fundraiser over the rest of this Alaskan weekend, where they had met Palin, the Safari Club president signed Lori up as an admin assistant and medical aide due to his, he had a congenital heart condition, probably. Okay. But they shared a cabin, as you do with your administrative assistant, and Lori caught a 40-pound salmon. The Safari Club officials admit that they gossiped about the photo from the trip of Lori beyond or like just beaming with this giant fish in her hand. Everyone's like, mm-hmm. Is that all you caught? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Safari- okay. So Bianca helped organize private a private gala behind the scenes at the Safari Club or at Safari Club's annual convention in 2011. Palin's the star of the show. Larry introduced Palin as quote one of us 
Then a crowd of 2,500 watched as he went in for a hug and Palin ducked him with a death <gasps> stare. Yes. That's very fun. I don't fully hate Sarah Palin. I mean, she's an idiot. It's the the worst person you know doing something good doesn't make him any better of a person. Yeah. Yeah. Some remember Larry strutting the floor with a member of the Romanian chapter who was hot. And he, Larry's like, yeah, I sat with her, but you know, that's it. In April of 2011, Larry's introduced to a woman by a Safari Club official and confidant, Paul Babes, and he texted her. Babes. Larry texted her. Babes are full of milk. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> and he said, you need just Ma'am. the letter U. Need some attention and lots of sex. How can you resist what? this? Yes. Mm-hmm. The woman asked Larry about the status of his marriage, and he texted back that his having two houses kept his affairs discreet. Mm-hmm. Larry later acknowledged... Talking about it also definitely... Yes, that works discretion. out for all men who have other families. Yeah, it's texting about it on a just so easy to screenshot or log into an account. It's so, mm. so discreet. Mm. Larry later acknowledged having dinner and drinks with this woman and a good night kiss. So Safari Club is now concerned about, quote, Clinton-esque staying on their brand. Once the 2012 convention rolls into Vegas, Bianca got word that her husband was having a long-term affair. So Bianca had also been called a long-suffering wife. And so Bianca's like, oh, fuck you for calling me that. Yeah, that's shitty. Yeah, and so Larry blames Bebas for the gossip and a friend drinking with the two of them at Mandalay Bay, Bianca and Larry, said Bianca was like, okay, if there's no truth to the rumors, then calm the fuck down. Like, why are you getting so mm-hmm. mad? I'm just asking. And then Larry gets hammered. He runs into Bebas in the hallway and asks why he fucked with his marriage. Bebas's guest, Clint Bishop, went to de-escalate and heard Larry say he'd take a forty-five pistol and shove it up your ass and empty the clip. Mm-hmm. Larry and Bianca claimed in court that Bebas had said that shit, not Larry. Bebas or Baba, I don't know, remembers like Bebas <laughs> remembers making fun of Larry for the comment. 45s have magazines and not clips, you idiot. Larry replied with a sensible, I will kill your <laughs> I will kill your children. I will kill your whole family. Sensible. Yeah. Bianca called Bebas a quote fucking asshole and walked away with her husband. That was during the altercation. Bebas said everyone knew he was running around on her and she still stood by him. It's really sad. So at a Safari Club executive meeting that May, so a month later, Larry was blindsided by a public inquiry into his women, his travel, and his expenses. His weenie. His awards were to be taken away, his name erased from the record books. Larry resigned that August. He has had none of the privileges of membership or of a past president since that time. 
and that's from Safari Club CEO. Uh, his political career was fucked at this point. I, I don't know. He considered reaching out to Fox News as a contributor on uh, animal conservation. And he took the Safari Club to court for defamation. He managed to retain his Weatherby Award, his precious, precious Thank God. little yeah. baby Weatherby Award. And then Bianca defended him. Anna Bianca? No, Bianca, Rick, Bianca. Bianca Sr. <laughs> God, that's <laughs> she's like the safari club the old guard wanted to remove him because we were different and cool wow sure honey so in the summer of 2015 Lori is in a is in greensburg pa in a three-story condo that he was subsidized larry was subsidizing her rent and helped with her daughter's college tuition Lori was like i didn't even know he had moved like to arizona like it, larry had kind of put arm's length up enough mm-hmm. but was still absolutely taking care of this woman Mm -hmm. sometimes larry would drop Lori off after work but at this point they were business associates and friends without benefits uh, except for some of the vacations and annual cabo trip Mm. so larry's now pulling up to the office with styrofoam cup spiked with jameson he's sending pissy emails out at lunchtime he went up to a contractor named Amos Damien with quote, hey, do you have any cousins or amigos in Mexico that can come up here and make someone disappear? Jesus. White men Republican. (laughs) The guy goes, I'm from Vegas, but no, I don't know any assassins. Jesus Christ. And then Larry didn't let it go. He goes, are you sure? $25,000. Larry... If this doesn't end with him in prison. So some dude at some point had approved a root canal and Larry called him hammered, slurring. One of these days, you're going to walk out of your house and a Nigerian's going to shoot you in the fucking face. Also, just don't be so specific. Mm -hmm. You're like... Like, you go on, say someone's going to shoot you in the face if you have to, but don't say a Nigerian. It'd be way funnier if you did it like a Nebraskan, like right. some like stateside. Yeah. It's like, what does that even mean? Some Iowan. A New Englander. It's, if anything, more threatening. Yeah. Yeah. A New Mexican. That's right. New <laughs> Mexican. Uh-oh. So it's still summer of 2015, and Lori is like... Sure, new office manager who's also new to town. Her name's Anna Grimley. I like her name. Mm. I'll absolutely come help you put together a dresser. <laughs> and at some point, according to Grimley, Lori tells her the the plan had always been simple. At some point, they were going to take the money and run. And then said, quote, the purpose of the cash, which I'll get to in a second, was to just disappear. But that didn't happen. So that's when the ultimatum came. You have one year to get rid of her. What? Mm, ominous. I mean, talk about Ikea tearing apart a relationship. This girl just met this woman and is like, I'm going to tell you about me and my dude, like married Mm -hmm. boyfriend Mm -hmm. offing his wife. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. if... If she hadn't ended up dead, then that conversation is a little bit more benign, right? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Like you have I one would, year to get I rid mean, of her. I wouldn't. I I don't know if I would. Yeah, get rid of. I mean, I guess. Anyway, so Lori one year to shoot her on a safari in Africa. I mean, uh, get a divorce. Yeah, just leave her. Yeah, dead body somewhere. So Lori (laughs) vehemently disputes this. She said that she went over. She built the dresser. She declined an invite to stay and chat, and then went grocery shopping for her son and her grandson. And she loves her son and grandson too much to leave, so she wouldn't have just taken off. Sure, Mm -hmm. honey. This is we're going to go back to the Three Rivers Dental Group. The staff was instructed to change the subject if anyone asked about Bianca's death. No flowers. No. Condolence calls, no sympathy cards. Like, if anybody were to bring it up, they would be like, you owe this amount of money up front. The dental group had a motto to uphold. No sights, no sounds, no fears. That was literally the motto of the okay interesting Mm -hmm. so in 2017 employees returned from a weekend and security cameras had been installed all over the employee at, at one point an employee leaned over to another and then almost immediately boss calls up from arizona going why are y'all whispering <laughs> and she was asking her co-worker for a tampon yeah right and then someone said something about trump being unfit and the next time larry was in the office he's like bunch of left-wing idiots in here kind of letting them know he had heard and listening then, yeah mm-hmm. what a dummy and <sighs> then somebody was talking about some pug that likes sportswear and he next time he was in town he was like no more pet talk what no more talking so larry Jesus. is an idiot he's like a psycho a psycho idiot. idiot larry shows up at the greenberg office for three rivers dental with a stack of waivers quote in light of this open surveillance environment you do not have any expectation of privacy in the three rivers dental group this one woman was like this does not exclude the women's room and so that was the receptionist she was like i'm not signing this right yeah and larry's response was you just fucking terminated yourself love it mm. fuck you larry yeah i was about to say that's probably best case scenario for that woman yeah, yeah. get the mm-hmm. hell out after bianca's death larry was regularly going from paradise valley to pittsburgh following in his footsteps branch to a motherfucking branch was Lori. so she was like either with him or like right behind him. She had already pretty much moved in with him at the Rudolph family home in Paradise Valley. Okay, so this is kind of how he ran the business a little bit. If a dentist did a basic tooth filling, Larry would lose his fucking mind because it cost $150. Insurance would cover $120. Mm-hmm. So it's coming at a $30 loss. That is not including any kind of service. Like, you're still making mm-hmm, money. Mm-hmm. He would lose it. So Larry's checklist, he, okay, he's got this checklist. And basically, it sets into motion a daily protocol to grind down problem teeth to the point where a root canal was the go-to. Gross. X-rays could force insurers to pay upwards of a thousand dollars. All it was was a root canal factory. That's yeah, it's what a, right. insurance yeah. fraud. Mm-hmm. Well, an insurance will deny that kind of stuff 
if the, if there's not like a history of it and mm-hmm. it's not shown to be an emergency, insurance will just straight up say no. Right. Well, now they will. I don't know what it was five years ago. Yeah. I think my thought when I read that is that they would over time shave it oh, interesting. until it was like, okay, it's been two years. Mm-hmm. You got to have a root. I don't know though. Lori defended the whole protocol uh and the discrepancies were the fault of employees we never defrauded an insurance company is a quote from Lori. okay but what's up with this cash because they were all like we prefer cash several staffers recall getting cash payments from clients of over ten thousand dollars lots of irs documentation with shit like that right well Lori and dr rudolph would have us not ever put down that we collected cash Mm -hmm. every night stacks of bills went into a safe and only larry or Lori were to open the safe when they were in town a person close to the books believed cash was also their, quote, fun money. And as of recently, the government agrees. So there's a paper trail showing Larry tried to make sure all payments were in order. So he was like really hands on trying to make sure it looked all correct. But if you can if you can believe it, Pennsylvania Attorney General Office had been investigating Larry for insurance fraud since 2011. Yay! So Lori's personal bank account in 2014, all of a sudden there's $20,000 cash deposit. In 2015, 60,000 cash deposit. 20 Wait. 2016 if i it was 2015 was the last one 2016 75,000 dollar cash which is also the year bianca died by 2017 mm. she had put in a total of 240,000 dollars cash and lori says she doesn't <laughs> she, she doesn't recall money dumps or understand why her salary doubled in cash other than Larry was, quote, very generous. I mean, if someone's handing you cash. that that's what she said. Mm-hmm. Spring of 2017, there's nine life insurance policies and accidental death claims in, beyond, in the from the Bianca tragedy that are coming to Larry. What? Nine? So six months, six months after yeah. her death, P.I.'s couldn't get enough information to not approve the claim so like in all these insurance companies hired private investigators so the rudolphs had set up a survivor's trust for life insurance policy less than six months before bianca's death larry first inquired about processing insurance two days after the their daughter finally learned her mother was gone so that is a week and two days. What was the payday on this, you ask? $4.9 million. Woo-wee! That summer, Larry purchased a $3.5 million lot in Paradise Valley so that Lori could build a custom mansion a mile and a half away from the last place Bianca lived. So... A South African attache alerted the FBI they suspected foul play two weeks after Bianca's death. Um, This is what is going on on the government end of things. Once once the funeral cleared, Larry and Lori watched the election and uh, watched their their little 
their guy dream win. come true. Yeah. Then Larry starts tweeting nonstop at well. at the Trump sons, and he's like. I was part of the Safari Club, and I want to be nominated to be the U.S. Fish and Wildlife oh, King or whatever. My God! The sad thing is that might have worked. I mean, yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. If he had given them enough money, he wasn't going mm-hmm. about it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So the FBI first calls him about his wife in 2017. An American ambassador in Lusaka got briefed in 2018. He expressed concern about a case built on life insurance, a love triangle, about a mystery in the middle of nowhere, right? Like, this is, he's like, I don't know how much we can get out of this. Kind of sounds fake. And then 2019, they move out of Bianca's dream home into a condo while Lori's dream home was being built. Mm -hmm. He bragged to new neighbors about the trophy room he was building because it needed to be two stories tall to hold all of his dead animals. <sighs> There's a This is a lovely room of death. That's <laughs> all I can think of. I have been in one and it is unsettling. There's some bar argument at some point where Lori's like, I want a house in Pennsylvania. And a bartender claims he heard Larry in a very angry response say, I killed my fucking wife for you. <laughs> yes. God damn it, Larry. Of course he did. That's very Larry. I'm going to do that in a restaurant. Do it to Brandon. Oh, well, I killed my fucking wife for you. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Poor Brandon. Just completely unprompted (laughs) and Brandon will be like. He's like, I'm just a Brandon. (laughs) I'm just a Brandon lost in the woods. sweet Brandon and this is my mean, There's a lot of situations where Brandon is looking around for help (laughs) from me. Yes. You're the the car hitting the deer, but also the thing that could push the deer out of the way. Yeah. I create the problem. I solve the problem. There you go. The lead FBI agent on it, he finds Grimley, the dresser lady, and then the bartender wasn't really ready to talk yet. His partner cross-checked with Zambian authorities around the pathology and ballistics. Lori felt they were closing in and they'd be at restaurants and Lori would be like, I think that's an FBI agent. Also, can you not yell about you killing your wife (laughs) for one fucking second? Maybe just shut up. Um, Can I get the mozzarella sticks? We're going to get fried pickles. I killed my wife for you. (laughs) (laughs) So his uh, animal murder friend, Swain Poole, he spoke with the FBI, too, at some point. And his ex-wife, Swain Poole's ex-wife, had been there when Larry asked to be put in contact with a Nigerian gangster Mm -hmm. to a intimidate someone in the states talking about the guy with the that didn't approve the root canal <sighs> Swainpool said yeah those conversations did happen over the years but it was mostly like while we were drinking i'm almost done mm-hmm. may of 2021 Swainpool and larry go on a two-week safari meanwhile the fbi is knocking on Lori's door she hid inside <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like you're at a like a high school party and the cops show up and it's yes. like oh, just be quiet they don't know which i've also yeah. she hid inside and bought a same day ticket to phoenix at least no one tracks that yeah. larry killed a big cat and then cut his trip short and last november the fbi had found uh the game scout 
at the Kafu River, so where they were, and was beginning to crack down the front desk at Three Rivers. So mm-hmm. they're like, the the people are probably at those like dog shelter eyes of like, please help, save us. Help. A few days after Thanksgiving, Larry and Lori are at an Arizona Republican dinner that's uh, $5,800 per plate. Lori for sure thought the election <clears throat> was a, quote, total fraud, as she tweeted. Mm. The dinner talk was more about redistricting, of course. Larry did it. So the the main person holding the toast, which I don't give a shit about that politician or no. So that person gives the toast, right? They're like, oh, thanks for coming out. We did this. And then <laughs> Larry did a toast after that. Okay. He just bum rushed the stage. Which is, I mean, I don't think it was like at a table, but I do think it's like that's such a movie moment of like, oh God, now that guy's getting up. Yeah. Shit. And he announces that he's thinking of running for Congress. <laughs> of course. I mean, anyone can do it. I mean, why Any not? Any white man Republican can do it. So Larry and Lori close three rivers for the holidays. They fly from Phoenix to Cabo as they do every year. Upon arrival, everyone goes through this immediate passport check, which isn't the norm, really. Lori will never forget hearing, we got him, (laughs) and Larry is in custody. Lori says, we were betrayed by our own country. It was a witch hunt you they are oh my god once they it. learned that word oh a witch hunt no he conspired to murder someone and then probably did it himself mm-hmm. it's not a witch hunt it's a it's, it's just a, a hunt. criminal investigation mm-hmm. you fucking idiot larry has been charged Fantastic. with foreign murder mail fraud of seven life insurers Larry maintains innocence, and he pled not guilty. Lori is charged with five counts of lying under oath, one obstructing justice, one accessory to murder, because the government says it, the motive was not just money. Mm-hmm. It was all. It was Lori as yeah. well. And there is a joint trial scheduled for this month. Yay! Yay. What was his last name again? Rudolph. Larry and Bianca Rudolph, and if you goog him, he looks like like a D bag. Yeah, and I mean, hot for a dentist. (gasps) Wait, there's the trial may have already happened. So many animal shots, also of him with trophies. Quote: What an asshole! Sorry, if you just search, what article was that from? Or do you? Was it multiple sources? It was Rolling Stone. It was Rolling Stone. And it was one, yeah, it was I like saw a big. They had done one. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was extensive yeah. for sure. If, but... you, if you just Google Larry R- Rudolph, um, the, he is also not this guy, but another Larry Rudolph is an American talent manager and former entertainment lawyer. He is best known as the former manager of Britney Spears on and off from 1998-2021. So when I was looking at pictures, I didn't put in dentist. And I was like, why is he with Britney Spears? Why is Britney <laughs> hanging out with this asshole? Well, she... Uh, I mean, fair. you know, I yeah. we would understand. Yeah. But not this type. Yeah. Specifically. This, this particular brand of hole. I don't like it when you say it like that. Uh-uh. But yeah, so that is uh, well. So we'll get updates. Probably terrible piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. I. 
Also, they just. mentioned his son once, so I want to know. His yeah. son is in one of the main pictures that you Google. Oh, really? How old is he? I don't know. Because they're younger. He's kind of hot. She was in a Republican. Piece Anna of Bianca shit, was thirty, so she's a, she's Whitney's age. Mm-hmm. She was thirty in twenty sixteen, so thirty five now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You'll be thirty six in a few months. Yes, and Julian I am. is a couple years, probably your age, probably my age. Yeah. 23. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just a little baby. 23. Yeah. I'm okay. I don't want to rely I about my age. Kidding. I'm 33. I know you're kidding. <laughs> okay. I'm fairly aware of Okay, it's my existence. turn to speak now. Okay, well, good luck. Okay, thanks. Okay. <clears throat> mm. Mm. In 1972, wife and mother Lily Gray was out doing errands in Loma Linda, California, when her car stalled as she entered the merge lane on a California freeway. A few moments later, um, she was rear-ended by another car traveling about 30 miles per hour. And in seconds, the damaged fuel tank of her car had released gasoline vapors that quickly spread to the passenger compartment. A spark ignited the mis- mixture, and Lily's 1972 Ford Pinto exploded Aww. in a ball of fire. Aww. Gray died a few hours later in the hospital, and her passenger, who was a 13-year-old boy named Richard Grimshaw, who was like the neighbor kid that he- she was taking along with him for errands, survived but suffered disfiguring burns on 90% of his mm, body. Poor kid. This was one of the many accidents that had created the well-known controversy around Ford Motor, Motor Company's biggest manufacturing mistake, the Ford Pinto. Yes. Oh. What's so, the other one? Gremlins. Um, the Gremlins. That So this is the Ford Pinto, the Gremlin, several others were the first uh, subcompacts to come to America. Mm. So Gray and Grimshaw's stories first became known to the public after the publication of the September-October 1977 issue of Mother Jones's magazine, which is still around today, where journalist Mark Dowie published Pinto Madness, which illustrated the callous neglect for human life in the name of profit shown by the Ford Motor Company in the creation of the Pinto. Dowie described the um, product as unsafe, immoral design and lacking any reasonable safety regulation. The article eventually won a Pulitzer Prize for Dowie and for Mother Jones, not the person in the magazine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And to summarize, the story of the Ford Pinto is as follows. So we go back to almost so nine years before this publication of the article and four years before the death of uh, Lily Gray. So in 1968, Leah Lee Ioka I-A-C-O-C-C-A, Ioka, a rising star and VP at the Ford Motor Company, who had already had some successful runs with the release of the Ford Mustang, argued that the Volkswagen and uh, other and Japanese automakers were going to capture the entire American subcompact market unless Ford produced an alternative to the VW bug. They also had the Toyota Corolla at this time, the Honda Civic would already mm-hmm. been released. So American, Classics. yeah, American car manufacturers always went for bigger cars, like your trucks, your Suburbans. That was their Broncos. whole thing. But subcompacts were usually more affordable and more accessible as cities got bigger. Having a big car wasn't really something that as many people needed. So Iacoa recognized pretty early that they had to get something American made out and Ford already had the Ford Escort in Europe. Europe already already has kind of smaller cars mm-hmm. anyways. But so they already kind of had an idea of what that would look like. But they wanted to get it in the U.S. market. So 
He was executive vice president and later president of Ford, and ACOA was the driving force behind the program to produce uh, the Pinto, at one point calling it Lee's car around the office. Mm. So to effectively challenge Ford's overseas competition, the Pinto was rushed through production in just 25 months, where the industry standard for car production from concept production to on the road was actually like 43 months so two years okay yeah Mm -hmm. so the compressed schedule meant that any design changes typically made before production line uh, line tooling would have to be made during it so they're creating the car and working out the kinks during the creation process so anything that's like installed can't be changed they're they're figuring out as they're doing it right yeah so, it's like editing as you go on a paper and yeah, not doing yeah. a first draft. Yeah, exactly. So besides the type time frame, Iacoa had two main demands for the Pinto, that it be under 2,000 pounds and under $2,000 for the consumer. So that would have been a new car for about $14,000 in today's okay. money. So cheap. Hyundai Accent. Yeah, yeah, affordable. Yeah, for sure. And that's the only way that they could truly compete with the overseas models from coming from Europe and um, Japan. Because at this time in the kind of like J- Japan standard was kind of rubbed in the face of American car manufacturers at this time. Mm-hmm. So um, Ford was performing their own crash tests during the production process. And they discovered that in most cases, a rear end collision would perforate the gas tank. So the gas tank on a Pinto was between six and 10 inches from the back bumper where and below the axle where most of the time gas tanks are a little bit farther forward. They're kind of under where your passenger seat is in the back. The reason why they moved that is so they could have a wider back seat because the argument was, well, if we don't move it, you can't fit two sets of golf clubs in the back. Golf clubs? Yeah. How many Eiffel Towers is that? I don't even want to. We have to get the calculator on the website. Yeah, it's not even. Yeah, not even the bottom of it. Okay. Ford engineers found several solutions to the fuel tank problem, including lining the um, providing a nylon bladder for the gas tank itself that would cost between five and eight dollars per vehicle are adding structural protection to the rear end of the car, which is basically adding an actual bumper because the one that was on was ornamental at best mm-hmm. not a functional bumper that would cost about four dollars and 20 cents per vehicle or by pace, um, placing a polystyrene baffling around the fuel tank which would cost about two dollars and 35 cents per vehicle none of those perfective uh, protective devices were installed at the end of the day <laughs> um, because they were adhering to the 2,000 pound, $2,000 standard set by Iacoa. Ford proceeded with manufacturing schedule. Ford officials decided to manufacture the car even though Ford owned a patent on a much safer gas tank. Dummies. Which is its own interesting story, but we're not getting into it. The question then is, well, did anybody go to Mr. Iacoa and tell him that the tank was unsafe? And one engineer said, hell no. That person would have been fired. Safety wasn't a popular subject around Ford in those days. With Lee, it was absolutely taboo. And Lee Iacoa was the f- was fond of saying safety doesn't sell. Uh, yeah. I mean, Which, I feel like that's still true. So, well, I mean, aerosol it, shoes. Yeah. Well, you think about how cars are sold now, like 
one of the things that they talk sure. about is safety, safety ratings. Right. Yeah, that's true. Back in the day, no, it was style. It was how fast, how fast you could go. Affordability was a big one because you have to imagine like excess. The Ford Model T was the first car on the market, and the whole thing was that it was affordable. It was like a hundred dollars. Right. So, and that's one of the reasons why cars are so ubiquitous in the United States. Also, obviously, the oil lobby is a big part of that and the death of the railroad system because that's a whole other thing. Anyway, so Ford stayed on budget and on schedule and the Ford Pinto hit the market on September 11th, 1971. Hmm. And in their first year, they sold exactly three, about 30 years. Yeah, they sold about 350,000 units in the first year. Holy wow. It's a $2,000 car. Like, yeah, yep. it's small. It gets you places. It's also made, like yeah. a large percentage of the po- like of the population at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, not, comparatively to now, yeah, for sure. That is what's kind of initially covered in Dowie's article to show that all this got pushed through so quickly. Dowie! But the most damning evidence provided by Dowie in his article was in the article is called Pinto Madness was a leaked internal document that showed in 1973. So two years after the Ford Pinto had been on the market, Ford performed a cost benefit analysis entitled fatalities associated with crash induced fuel leakage and fires for submission yeah exactly for submission to the nhtsa the nhtsa is the national highway transportation safety association Mm -hmm. either one of those things is hard to say particularly fast so they submitted this in support of forbes objection to proposed stronger fuel system regulation the document it had been now commonly known as the pinto memo the analysis compared the cost of repairs to to the societal costs for injuries and deaths related to fires and cars and crashes. The memo Ford in the memo Ford estimated the cost of fuel system modifications to reduce fire risks to be eleven dollars per car across twelve point five million cars. Okay, for a total of one hundred thirty seven million dollars. Okay, for so for them to repair. All the cars. All the cars to make them safer, it would cost Ford Motor Company $137 million. Sure. However, the design changes were estimated to save 180 people from burn deaths, 180 people from ser- serious injuries, and would cost Ford $49.5 million in lawsuits. So the injuries and deaths were more affordable. Exactly. So this is everyone seen Fight Club where they talk about this uh-huh. on the plane. So this is where that comes from the bombshell reported by mother jones by dowie emphasized the emotional aspects of the pinto memo and memo and implied that ford was callously trading lives for profit mm-hmm. claiming that somewhere between and it also claimed that somewhere between five and nine hundred people had been killed by fires attributed to the pinto's unique design flaws kind of for context in um, this time in history the auto industry was one of the major industries that remained relatively unregulated at this time. So 10 years earlier, so 1965, Ralph Nader published Unsafe at Any Speed. We all know, we all, mm-hmm. late great Ralph Nader. So unspa- Unsafe at Any Speed, central theme is that car manufacturers resisted the introduction of safety features and that they were generally reluctant to spend money on improving safety in favor of profits. 
Um, Ralph Nader is one of the main driving people who got seatbelts into cars. So thank you, Ralph. Thank you, Ralph. Dowie had also included at the end of this article a coupon that could be mailed to Congress and the NHTSA demanding action against Ford. So right after this article was published, they were flooded. Hell yeah. What a smart idea. So the NHTSA called for an investigation on Pinto's back-end crash testing, and they discovered that, yes, indeed, Ford Pinto would burst into flames (laughs) upon rear impact. And also, with enough force, so above 25 miles an hour, because there's only a rate in which they actually test for, but Mm -hmm. closer to 35 miles an hour, what can happen is it... If you crash into the back, um, the frame will warp and actually trap you inside the car. So not only where the car explode, but you will not be able to get get out. out. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So (laughs) sorry. It's fucked up. Also, I just love it because like a fender bender is probably the most common car accident. Yeah. And you you could get the Ford Pinto to catch on fire by going as low as five miles an hour. Oh my depending God. on the model that you're doing yeah so that's like you back into a you've seen probably yeah. like tv we shows saw it and stuff from it like today. yeah we yeah. did you've probably seen stuff from like uh, tv shows like ford pinto jokes where it's yeah, that where it's like somebody like bumps into the back of the car and it like exploded yeah so not entirely untrue ford ends up recalling 1.5 million pintos because of this investigation and lawsuits and all that Um, which is still to this day the largest auto recall in history. And they settled hundreds of millions of dollars in lawsuits that subsequently followed the article published by Dowie and the investigation by the NHTSA. Um, And this also, in theory, led to more rigorous crash tests testing in automobiles and iaco was fired in 1978 even though in 1978 they posted 1.2 billion dollars in profits with him at the thing mm. but you know not a great look not a good look that lee's car yes was doing this thing. yeah but that's not the whole story so that is the concept and understanding that people have of the ford pinto but let's kind of let's go back to the mother jones article because that's kind of what blew the lid off of all of this right so first the pinto memo was not a cost-benefit analysis performed by Ford during the production of the Pinto to determine if the fixes would financially benefit them or not. Mm -hmm. What it was is the NHTSA had already started making plans to improve or institute more rigorous crash testing in cars. Mm -hmm. So what the NSTCA did in the late 1960s was go to Ford and say, hey, do a cost-benefit analysis for all of your cars on the road. This, so pre-Pinto, well, at this point, it would have been testing for Pinto because it'd be on the market. All of your cars on the road, not just the Pinto, your Ford F-150s, right. your Mustangs, all of them. And do a cost-benefit analysis for if you were to make improvements on all of those cars in the event of a rollover accident. Okay. Okay. And. Oh. Yeah. So those aren't all the. Okay. Nope. So this number, the number that that cost benefit analysis they said was not for just the Ford Pinto. It was a kind of thought experiment that NHTSA asked the accountants at Mm -hmm. Ford to run in order to better inform the NHTSA on how they should approach rollovers and and improve crash testing because Mm -hmm. of that. And so the other part of that equation was the cost of human life. 
Ford did not come up with the cost of human life. The NHTSA did. And the way that they did that is they averaged out the age of somebody who dies in a car accident Mm -hmm. and say, okay, somebody who dies in a car accident on average would have lived 37 additional years and they would have been a productive member of society for 37 years at X amount of dollars contributed to society for those 37 years. And that total amount of money that they would then produce into society Mm -hmm. was about $240,000. So the cost of a human life that Ford supposedly determined right. was two hundred and forty thousand dollars. So it's in, all consumer. Yeah. And so in in capitalist we, I was yeah. gonna say so it's it's the, the government that said well, human life is worth two hundred and forty thousand dollars to our economy, which is like one point two or three million dollars now, which is I'm not saying you can put a cost on a human life, but that's not how much my life insurance is worth. That's a lot more. Did you see the Tom Hanks movie about the guy who was in trusted with figuring out how much 9-11 families were going to be paid out no. after 9-11 Mm-mm. happened Mm-mm. it just it's recent it came out this year i think it's on netflix anyways it's the same idea he has to like determine is it the one with him and the robot no no i the vo- the volleyball no not that no. one him and um is a it, national do it in an crisis. airport that was also propaganda for fedex but that's a- okay no. The, so they were doing that report. And I will say this, that Ford was already doing crash tests that other car companies weren't doing at all. It's really interesting. So the way that they used to do crash tests for back end is they would put a car in reverse and run it back into a wall instead of the opposite. So not, that's not really how people get into car crashes because you're getting up to like 20 miles an hour to do it. I don't know many people who are just right. booking it back. Right. Yeah. The NHTSA, under pressure from consumer advocates in the early 1970s, so this is before the late 1970s when the Mother Jones article came out and those investigations happened, happened, had already gotten reports of issues with the Pinto and they looked into it and they said, you know, this really isn't anything out of standard from other cars, so we're not going to investigate it. Um, So they didn't at all. So subsequent investigations by academics found that the Mother Jones piece contained statements that were exaggerated or just wholly inaccurate. For instance, the article estimated between 500 and 900 people had died as a result of Pinto's design flaws, when in actuality, the NHTSA could only confirm about 27 deaths associated with it, which, you know, that's better than 500 to 900, but 27 deaths isn't it's awful, but it's like sure inevitable. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's yeah. significantly lower. Yeah, for sure. Um, and also kind of showing to sort of to industry standards when it comes to car deaths, right? Mm-hmm. So, regardless of undergrowing public and active pressure, the NHTSA began an investigation on the Pinto in 1977 after the article came out, where there were strong signs that the NHTSA was about to mandate a a vehicle recall in 1978. Ford went ahead and just did it themselves. So they kind of like got ahead of it, right? We're the good guys. Kind of. They also failed to send it out in like for several months. So they like kind of started doing it to say they were doing it. It was also a lot harder. Hearing about a recall is hard because you have to be like at the address that they have on file for when you bought the car even today 
with email like most of the time like where are you hearing that my right? my app tell, told me oh that's nice with your, your bronco app mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the ford app that i have that can start my car right now if yeah. i wanted to well, my two thousand. but you already Honda have a recall on your brand new car right yeah because the front end will melt i saw a video of it oh really yeah well, it, they fixed it's it electrical huh? fire nice. it's okay again cars have problems yes they yeah. do um i just got a recall on mine and it's a 2015 mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yep shit's still happening yep so the other kind of myth associated with this is that the recall of the pinto is what caused the nhtsa and the government to require more stringent testing on cars that's not true so like we were talking about the nhtsa had already started talking to the manufacturing companies in the late 60s to start getting Mm -hmm. information on them Mm -hmm. to start doing rear end testing like a standard rear end and front end testing and so in 1970 when the pinto was about to release and they kind of knew these had these problems they understood that these new rules were going to come into place in 1973 so they're kind of like we we might run into some problems and then they found out that the nhtsa wasn't ready to release them so they wouldn't be released until 1976 so they're like okay we'll go ahead and release the car because we got six years of lead time before Mm. we're we're having to like regulate anything associated with this right so it's a lie because they had already been working on this for the past like 10 years it all just kind of came to head yeah. at the same time right also so when and also when the nhtsa were pressured to perform tests on the pinto after this outrage they set up that testing in a way that basically set up for it to fail spectacularly mm-hmm. so the way that they would do officially again not like how ford would do it but how the nstsa was starting to develop crash testing is they would have kind of what you've seen before like the block that runs into the back of the car, right? right? And so they'd have a block that would run to the back of the car. The car would be like, the tank would be like half full and it wouldn't be full of gas. It'd be full of gas and another inert substance substance as to not create a big fire because mm-hmm. you just need to know what's going to happen. You don't actually need to see the explosion right. for testing purposes. But that would be, cool, be cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the car would be off as well, right? And you would test, they were testing between 20 and 25 miles an hour. But that's a lot... Like, why would the car be on? To me, that's a bit... Okay. So yeah. so this is the testing environment, right. right? So when they were testing the Pinto, they created a more realistic, real-life environment. And what they did was they had the car full of gas. They had the headlights on, which would have been an ignition source. And they had an, what they called a bullet car, which would be a car with a kind of angular front end. Mm-hmm. And then they weighted down the front of the bullet car. So it, so would, it would go, go underneath. It would yeah. go underneath okay. and hit the thing. They ran that test and it, ooh, it blew up. So <laughs> everyone's kind of being dirty. Yeah, everyone's kind of being dirty. But also, practically, when you think about that, when people are like, yeah, they weighted down the front of the tester car. You know how heavy an engine is. Right. A car without an engine in it is not right. going to do a lot. So yeah. weighting down the front of this car would reflect yeah, the weight of sure. an yeah. engine. Also, again, this is a realistic presentation of what a car crash would actually yeah. look like in real life. But this is the first and only one, or so far, the only one, one they've, they've done, done this with. Exactly. So Ford was kind of like, what the fuck? 
all these other car manufacturers build their cars in really similar ways and they would have failed that test too. And I don't remember where I saw the quote, but basically the testing engineer who was working for HTSA said, well, just because all of your friends got were stealing and you're the one got caught doesn't mean you're not going to get punished for, getting, for stealing. And I'm like, shit, well, y'all. Damn. Everybody else got their Snickers. I'm okay yep. with all of this because in the end better regulations and better testing is kind yeah what has kind of happened yes because there was this they already had these plans in place right but it was this big kind of to do around the ford pinto itself but did did they test any like did they test anything without the way without the thing like after that one not that i know but i wouldn't i wouldn't have looked into that specifically so the whole thing happened in the 70s. Everyone's like, Ford sucks and their Pinto's horrible and they're bad. And now we have regulation. Great. Fine. We want a car ma- named after a more acceptable bean. Well, it's named after a horse. Pinto's a horse. Bean. Okay. I want a garbon- a, a Mercury Garbanzo. Ranch. <laughs> Ranch style. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. So in the 90s, um, a scholarly article called Pinto Madness as flaw- as a Flawed Landmark Narrative, an Organizational and Network Analysis. And this was a law thing. I don't know. I couldn't actually have access to it because it was behind a paywall for, mm. you know, like educational articles. So the syn- this is the synopsis. Um, I'm going to read it directly. <laughs> For two decades, the Pinto has been the, quote, landmark narrative used to support the construction of amoral corporate behavior. We argue that critical flaws in this narrative flow from a misplaced emphasis on, quote, decision makers in a single organization, IACOA, and from ignoring organizational, industry, and legal regulatory contexts. Using original documents and recent interviews, we argue that there was never a, quote, decision to market an unsafe vehicle. Instead, the Pinto is a is better understood as a routine outcome of distinct organizational subunits embedded in a larger network of interorganizational relationships. So basically, it's bigger than what this one thing is, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, we conclude that attention to the network level of analysis can ex- help explain cases of, quote, sensible bloodshed that derive from routine workings on social institutions. So basically the consensus after the fact, you know, 50 years down the line, this is very similar in my opinion to the McDonald's hot hot coffee case where people have this concept of what happened. And then that's the narrative moving Mm -hmm. forward, regardless of what happened, but it's the inverse where it is kind of, this becomes more forgiving to the corporation, which again, they're still pieces of shit. They were doing that 2000 pound, $2,000 thing. They definitely, people died because of that. I have no doubt in that, but truly the death caused by the Pinto overall were relatively standard to the industry at the time and were caused by the lack of regulation in the automotive industry Mm -hmm. in the 1970s. That was eventually solved by regulation that had already been planned in the late sixties and executed in the late seventies. Mm-hmm. any car before 1988 is a death trap and don't own one that's it they needed a martyr yeah and ford is a pretty good one because it's, it's the a OGs. huge corporation yeah there's a really i got this a lot of this from i read the mother jones article itself and then uh tortreformmuseum.com they have a lot of information about it and they have a fun little comic that they have with it as well I'll... which i liked a lot what a fun time yeah. what a fun time. what a neat 
common. Time. I feel like I end up on tort reform related websites <sighs> a lot for That's this. Tort for this. Reform. Tort reform is um, the ability to sue companies for their products so that's another thing about the pinto so even after that initial like um they had like gone through the regulation and all that kind of shit after the recall had happened there was an incident in indiana where three teenage girls were in a pinto and they got rear-ended and they burned up and died and the whole everything was already like pinto's horrible they had already known that this was an issue and so the indiana um what is it attorney general tried the executives of ford for murder and that's the first time that any company had been charged with murder our auto company had been charged with murder and they were acquitted because they had done enough due diligence in getting the recall out that like they should have known right or something like that so, I mean, I can't imagine how the course of history would have changed if executives would have been convicted of murder because yeah, of a product right? that yeah. they approved. Yeah. So, and if a bartender can be convicted of something mm-hmm. like that or have to go to jail because somebody got too drunk and happened to be at that bar and died, mm-hmm. I, it's this like, why is it got to be the little people? Like, put all the fucking. Um, what's it family with oxycontins yeah oh no. yeah oh it is it, it i sacklers. mean it's sacklers yes. quite literally capitalism because yeah. they are capitalists they have the yeah. money to buy themselves out of it a, a, a bartender does not nope not usually but, um yeah. that so, movie that i was talking about is actually michael keaton okay it's called worth oh but it's depressing, but it's interesting. You can also go Michael on YouTube. Michael has been doing that lately. Dude, yeah. he does it. You can go on YouTube and watch the uh, test that the NHTSA performed. And man, when they say explode. Just right in the flames. It explodes. Like, no joke. Man, mm-hmm. my brain just turned into a four-year-old. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to watch I the explosion. Yeah. It's also fun to look at like there's a lot of really good jokes <laughs> around the time and also like the like one of the things they had to do and i don't know if this is true but i did read it a couple of different places is one of the taglines in like a magazine for the pinto at the time was buy a pinto it brings you a nice warm feeling <gasps> yeah <laughs> and they had to like scrub little it little did they know yeah sorry Mm-mm. pint oh yeah well dang Good stories, everyone. Yeah, I'm sleepy now. I am too. Take a nap. We we're about two hours and seven minutes in, so that's not. I terrible. would say probably we'll cut. I'll cut at least. You should do a poop super ten cut. Ten minutes of it. A pooper cut. A pooper, pooper cut. cut. I'm sure you totally have the time to do I that, Whitney. Totally no. Okay, we're done. We're all tired. We gotta go to another estate sale already yep just yeah. kidding i don't mind you could have said no. it was Can in you the imagine? number twos it could be the number twos okay uh if people did estate sales in like the later afternoon and that's had, when like, you would wine. Make, that's when you would get everything this out is the door, this is our next business like cocktail hour estate sale we're doing a great idea all right bye. we're done bye I think I may have missed a couple. Which is why we do it in an over-under mm-hmm. of two. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 41 ah. plus Crap Shack. <laughs>